You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. The incoming president has said on many occasions that he hopes to forge a new and closer relationship between the United States and Russia. In public statements, Trump has also minimized the importance of NATO and American allies. While Trump admits Russia tried to sway the outcome of the election in his favor, he says it didn't have any impact on his win over Hillary Clinton. He also denies that Russia's Vladimir Putin has amassed embarrassing and potentially damaging information against him as leverage for future negotiations. It's a really complicated relationship already. It is having a complicated set of uh, ripples sort of uh, fly through popular culture here in uh, the United States. And of course, it's freighted with a history of business and political dealings between Trump uh, and the Russian government, Trump and uh, Russian interests. And of course, it, it is befuddling to both politicians and experts alike. But somebody who I know is not befuddled by this is here with me to help sort it out. Aaron Reddish is a history professor at Wayne State University. He specializes in Soviet and Russian history. He joins us now to talk about Donald Trump and the Russians. Aaron, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So uh, I said in the uh, open of the show, I feel like if I don't talk to you every week right now, uh, I'm completely out of touch. I'm completely sort of confused about what is going on uh, because there is always something new uh, that, that appears in the news about this relationship. And I think that really is the crux of the confusion is that we don't really know what the relationship is between Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin. We don't know what his relationship is with the Russian government in a broader sense. Uh, and we don't know uh, the extent of his relationships with other interests in that country. And, you know, I, one of the things I've been saying over the last couple of weeks is he is maybe the person who could best clear this up by detailing what those relationships look like. I guess I'm not holding my breath No, to no, happen, though. Me neither. Um, there is, uh, mixed with this is a <clears throat> kind of this growing Russophobia among, or kind of this Rus Russian hysteria uh, in uh, the media, which isn't helping. Uh -huh. uh, that's kind of spreading disinformation, uh, <clears throat> as well as um, some half-truths. Uh, so thus, the dossier that came out last, last week, which was scintillating, um, we don't know what's true and what's not. Right. And Trump didn't kind of illuminate anything, nor did any of his team. Um, so I think he's kind of getting ready to kind of <clears throat> merge, kind of create a new a new relationship with uh, with Putin and kind of wants to keep all of his uh, cards close to his chest. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you make of... The latest news, which was last week, I guess, uh, the, these leaks uh, about uh, a, a, a a relationship of uh, almost uh, th a threatening relationship, I guess, between uh, Vladimir Putin and, and Donald Trump. The idea that perhaps the Russian government has something on him that they uh, are threatening to use unless he does what they what they want to do. Do you put much stock in in that idea? No, uh, I you know I, I read the report and I take it all with a very big grain of salt. Yeah, in in part because it's kind of it's everything that the left, those who don't like Trump, kind of dreamed of or kind of feared. <laughs> right, this Manchurian <laughs> candidate. Right, exactly. True, right? <clears throat> that the Russians had been trying to uh, kind of craft this sinister candidate, and poof, we have Donald Trump. 
and that there is some compromised material beyond all of the news that kind of came out during the election that seemed kind of compromising enough that they would actually have something more. Beyond that, uh, what a lot of experts, kind of Kremlin experts say is that even the material in the dossier, like kind of how the Kremlin set up this crafting of Trump, uh, doesn't really fit the the mode of, of politics, that it um, everyone in the Kremlin and even uh, oil, oil barons were involved in creating this relationship with Trump, which just doesn't. That's not doesn't, the way it works. Yeah, it just doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Aaron Reddish, a history professor at Wayne State University with a specialization in Soviet and Russian history. We're talking about the Russian relationship with Donald Trump, who will be sworn in as the 45th president of the United States tomorrow at noon. We're also talking more generally about that swearing in, this transfer of power from Barack Obama to Donald Trump. What do you expect from the early days of the Trump administration? And what are you thinking about the last eight years when President Barack Obama has been in charge. What are the things he did that you'll remember? Uh, what are the things that he did that maybe you are pleased about and not pleased about? And what do you expect to see from a Trump administration in the next 100 days? 313-577-1019 is the number to join the conversation. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page. Put your comments there uh, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today and we'll try to work your comments into the conversation. Mark on Facebook says, best case scenario will be if Trump doesn't start World War III. No, I won't be watching the inauguration. I'm already too depressed. Uh, so Mark, not optimistic about what's happening. Uh, there, there is this question about... Uh, there is this question, I think, uh, about how his relationship with Russia will change our relationship with other players, uh, uh, particularly in Europe, um, but but also how it will change the tensions, I guess, uh, that, that exist around uh, the globe. Are, are we going to see, for instance, a new nuclear arms race? I mean, Donald Trump has sort of hinted at uh, the idea of Maybe we need to beef up our nuclear arsenal a little more. Russia is certainly uh, interested in those same things. Uh, I, I think maybe Mark is being facetious with uh, the World War III uh, reference, but I think there is some, some concern about us going back to a time when those tensions were hotter and this, this arms race was defining uh, the relationship. Right. So um, actually, uh, late last week, uh, the... Uh one of the outgoing Obama uh, foreign uh, uh, the uh, foreign ministry of, of the United States said that uh, you know this is creating a new uh, a new kind of foreign policy that we haven't seen through the 20th century uh, that <clears throat> that both kind of uh, that under Russia and kind of uh, the assumed is that uh, under Trump that all of these old uh, these old ideas are going away. Uh, so Trump is uh, said that NATO is obsolete. Uh, he's cozying up to Russia. He's talking about nuclear arms. So this is all kind of creating the ideas, kind of new alliances, and also that uh, old um, kind of established ideas of foreign policy are also might not uh, be understood. A nuclear arms is a really kind of interesting thing because Trump has talked about how the United States need to needs to beef up 
nuclear weapons. He's also said that the main point that he's going to bring up with Putin when they meet is uh, nuclear arms reduction. Yeah. So, uh, and he's <laughs> actually said that he wants to trade off sanctions. He wants to ease sanctions of Russia as uh, a way of arms control. Um, you know, there's, if you want to take the pro-Trump line, you know, this could be a very kind of detente uh way of kind of dealing with Russia, uh, Reagan-esque. You know, they've actually talked about meeting in Reykjavik, mm-hmm. uh, kind of going back to this idea of Reagan and Gorbachev. Um, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we got uh, more on Facebook from Charlie. He says he's going to tune in to anything else to rob the inauguration of ratings. He says, I mourn this tragedy. Uh, I will display President Obama's portrait in my home for years to come. So someone else not uh, terribly enthused about what is going to happen tomorrow at noon. Let's go to Matthew in Harper Woods. Matthew, welcome to Detroit Today. Yeah, I've just started listening. It's kind of funny. I normally listen to shows on AM, but my AM radio went off, so you're about the only talk <laughs> talk on the FM. So and <laughs> you guys go. are the classic <laughs> station, but um, I'm fired up because I, I think Trump's going to be great. Um, we so a little context. We lived overseas in Turkey for ten years, uh-huh. and I mean, I'd say a couple things I'm excited about already. Seeing how he's going to deal with China, that Taiwanese thing, I thought was brilliant. And the reason is, is because we don't really have anything, you know. And the shame honor thing is a real big deal, which the guests can probably talk sure. a lot about how that plays in saving face. But I thought um, him kind of using that as a card, that's like the only thing I can think with China. But it's, I mean, I guess I don't Well, what do you think, like, what uh-huh. do you think that accomplished? Well, I think when he gets into dealing with them, I think it accomplishes a lot. He basically um, kind of shoved, you know, dishonored the Chinese by calling Taiwanese. And I was thinking, it's like, there isn't, economically, do we have any cards to deal with China? I don't think we do. Yeah. I think China holds most of the cards in that, and so, and then what they've been doing building so up militarily. So that's just sort of taking uh-huh. some of the cards back in your in your estimation. Yeah, and I think you've got to have some kind of um, strength position in dealing with China, and I I just think I think his strength. I know people get freaked out about all the junk he says, but um, we have a very weak. Putin makes random, you know, insults about us. Um, China, it's like there's no respect for America anymore. Um, I, I'm just fired up because it's a new direction. ISIS is scary. I don't care if our – you guys will just, like, freak out, I'm sure. But <laughs> I don't care if our president is not, quote, quote, politically correct with his words. I'm more concerned, is he going to man up and actually blow ISIS off the map? So yeah. I, I guess well, um, I'm excited about well, it. Well, Matt, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you called. And uh, like I said, <clears throat> uh, uh, I appreciate your comments, but also quit listening to AM radio and listen to Detroit Today every day because uh, <laughs> uh, we'll take your calls uh, and, and talk about what you're, what you're saying. Uh, I, I think those are, those are really interesting comments. Uh, I want to give Aaron Reddish a chance to uh, respond to them. I think um, you will see... A, I mean, one of the places of growing of of potential cooperation between Russia and the United States is counterterrorism, as well as cooperation uh, to fight ISIS. What that also means, though, is a shift in policy in Syria. Uh, do you want the Assad regime to stay in power? 
Uh, what do you think about the humanitarian crisis or kind of how Aleppo was handled? Um, does dealing with ISIS outweigh uh, human rights violations? Uh, it seems that the parts of the Trump administration favor counterterrorism over human rights. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a really kind of interesting question. I mean, it's a serious shift in U.S. policy. Uh, I mean, I think there, there, there tends to be... Um, there tends to be this this debate about uh, whether our role in the world is entirely about us uh, and our self-interest, or is it about leading uh, according to our ideals and trying to make those ideals uh, true or, or real for people in other places. Uh, and and that, that tension, uh, I think, is playing out between the Obama administration and the Trump administration. Right, yeah. right. Uh, and if we are going to have a more aggressive foreign policy, that might also mean more intervention. Yeah. If we're going to deal with uh, Russia in a closer relationship with closer cooperation, that means recognizing their annexation of Crimea. Yeah. That means uh, recognizing a greater sphere of influence in the near abroad, and kind of the, the former Soviet states that are sovereign and independent. Um, that's an that is an important shift that we need to realize that that's probably going to be yeah. coming down the road. Yeah. Okay. Uh, when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about the relationship between Russia and the United States. Also, our our discussion about the inauguration, the transfer of power tomorrow at noon between Barack Obama and Donald Trump. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. Tim and Grand Blank, Tom and Southfield, Al in Detroit. We will get to you. 313-577-1019 is the number. We'll be right back on Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. My guest is Aaron Radish, history professor at Wayne State University, who specializes in Soviet and Russian history. We're talking about the relationship between the Russians and this country, the Russians and Donald Trump, who tomorrow at noon will take the oath of office to become the 45th president of the United States. Uh, we're also just talking about uh, Donald Trump in general, uh, the first 100 days of this administration, what do you expect to see? What do you want to see? What do you want to hear him say in the speech he says he is writing at this moment at what he's calling the Winter White House in uh, Mar-a-Lago? Uh, also, Barack Obama, last day of his presidency, eight years of that. Uh, talk to me about what you saw over the last eight years that you liked, what you saw that you didn't like, what you expect to be different. 313 577 1019 is the number to join the conversation, 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page. Put your comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work your comments into the conversation. Uh, let's go to Tim in Grand Blank. Tim, welcome to Detroit How are you doing, Stephen? Good. How are you? Good. You have an excellent show today. Thank you. Um Okay, I just want to make a couple quick points, and then I'll let you guys discuss it, because um, I know time is short. Um, I think the media is kind of leading everybody around by the nose with this um, Russian relationship thing. Uh, first of all, Trump is a master negotiator. 
he's totally out of the norm as far as uh, the, the pol- political environment. I mean, he blew away 16 uh, career politicians, which is just totally unheard of. I think we need to give him a little bit of a chance. But there's nothing wrong with talking to Russia. That doesn't mean he's going to give in, but yeah. he's going to talk to him. Right. Now, I think uh, people are more worried about the Russia thing because the media is pushing it when actually they should have been more concerned about the Iranian nuclear deal, which is a total farce, and actually gave the Iranians the ability to um, have a nuclear bomb, along with the massive amount of money, $1.5 billion, that was shipped over to them. And also, while everybody's keeping their eye on the ball of you know Russia and Trump having some fictitious uh, relationship, they, they didn't even look at all the radicals that um, Obama had in his own cabinet, the Muslim Brotherhood, uh, appointees and Valerie Jarrett, oh, and hold on. And okay. Dan Jones, who's a convicted convict <laughs> and uh, and a self-admitted socialist and communist. I mean, the, the 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 danger is here. Don't look over there in Russia, who could be our friend. Let's look here and let's okay. look at Iran. Okay, Tim. Uh, lots of really wild accusations, to be honest, in your. Uh uh, your call there. I'm not sure of any Muslim Brotherhood members who are in the Obama cabinet, and and you know Van Jones is not a communist nor a socialist. Uh, but but I'm glad you're listening. I'm glad you called in and want to participate in the in the program here. Uh, that's a. Uh, uh, the, the, yeah, that's part of the discussion, obviously. Um, uh, can I actually? Yeah, I, I think um, what he says about the media is, uh, and the media kind of uh, russophobia is, is a really good point uh, that there needs to be kind of a much more balanced and nuanced portrayal of, of American foreign policy and the yeah. relationship with Russia. Um, there are a, a couple of other kind of interesting points that kind of go against that. One is that. In, Interestingly, what we see in the media recently with uh, with stories on Russia is using kind of the Trump language of winners and losers when talk about foreign policy, the zero sum game and that we want to be winners and not losers. And that foreign policy is much more complicated than that yeah. and that we need to um, that we have a responsibility to look at the nuances. Uh, the other thing is this this idea of, of fake news or post uh, sure. post truth which, um, you know, seems to kind of be coming across in, in uh, The Last Caller, but that uh, this uh, post-truth or kind of the fake news isn't wasn't just kind of coming from Russian hacks and through uh, foreign, uh, foreign news sources, that there was fake news against uh, Hillary Clinton uh, that just really kind of undermined the discourse of the presidential election. I think we we need to be aware of that. We need to take our news sources and look at them a little bit more critically. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's right. And and that idea of uh, more sophisticated coverage, I think, is super important, especially right now uh, when things are changing the way they are. Um, let's go to Lisa in Ferndale. Lisa, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi there. Hey. Um, Thanks for taking my call. Uh-huh. I hate to sort of frame the, to continue framing the um, foreign policy narrative um, in, a, in a sort of, I really think we should be worried about this country um, kind of way. But one of the things that I was um, realizing is that while Trump, you know, 
has his relationship with Russia the way that he does, and, and it's not fictitious. <laughs> um, but in any case, one of the other countries that we need to be concerned about is is the way that he seems to be um, willing to be hostile and antagonistic to China. Um, yeah. And we're already seeing ramifications with that already, while um, because uh, Cambodia just recently canceled practice military exercises with the U.S., um, and while they say that it doesn't have anything to do with China, um, they're a country that's trying to sort of remain allies with both. And that's only going to continue being more and more difficult if our administration uh, goes the way that it sort of already has been. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lisa, Lisa, great point. Uh, I, I think it is far more complicated than than just looking at one one country and the way we deal with them. I, I, I really appreciate uh, the call. Uh, Tom in Southfield, you're up next on Detroit Today. Hi, this is uh, Tom. Yep. Good to talk to you. Um, anyway, on this whole thing about the uh, the mess that's going on between the United States and Russia, and I started researching it, and what I found is it's all about money. And what I found was that there's certain of these billionaire oligarchs in Ukraine that are tied with Trump and are tied with Putin. And then there's other billionaire oligarchs that are tied with Clinton and with Biden, that Biden's son uh, owns and is part of the biggest natural gas group in Ukraine. And so it's all about dividing up the resources of this country. And that's why there's these problems. Does the professor... Uh, agree with this? Yeah, great question, Tom. Uh, I'm glad you called and asked. Uh, Aaron Reddish, uh, go ahead. Uh, there are complicated um, kind of connections, uh, economic connections uh, between kind of the Trump camp and uh, Russian oligarchs, uh, and as well uh, with the Clinton camp and some of the Russian oligarchs. Uh, the and then the other important part is that Tillerson, the, the incoming secretary of state, also has a very close kind of business connections with the Russian state and with uh, Russian uh, oil. So, yes, I mean, economics is a driving force of this. Um, the other point that didn't come up with the, with the caller that's that's really important is that the Russian economy right now is in a state of crisis. Yeah. Uh, the Russian ruble is half of what it was just a few years ago. So if you think about it, take your salary and cut it in half, and that's what a lot of everyday Russians have to deal with. Uh, the uh, price of oil has not risen high enough for the Russian economy to stabilize, and the sanctions are really wearing on the Russian economy. So... Uh, we don't know the extent of the Trump camp's economic ties to Russia, uh, and that's a really and that's good the question. big problem. Yes. I mean, and this is something that he himself could clear up. Yeah, he could disclose. Yes, he far could release more his taxes. of releases taxes for yeah. starters, but uh, I mean, he could disclose lots more about what this relationship looks like to 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 make people here. Uh, feel a little better about uh, about what we're getting into. Okay, uh, one more one more call here, uh, Jeff in Northville. I've got about a minute left, so make it quick. <laughs> oh, okay, uh, you got me. I'm Jeff from Northville. Um, uh-huh. Thanks for letting me in. Um, ultimately, I think the uh, I'm, we're in an acronym-driven world. You know, uh, 
and I've dubbed one which is SMS, which is Selective Memory Syndrome. <laughs> and that's how the, the Republicans operate. Yeah. They only memorize and remember what they choose to remember. <laughs> uh, and uh, I, that came to, to front the other day when uh, Dr. Ben Carson, who is an extremely <laughs> talented surgeon and right. helped a lot of people uh, by fixing their brains when they are uh, mostly children. Yeah. But uh, Ben's own brain isn't working that well because <laughs> he said, we have, I have no government assistance. Yeah, but then now there. he's right. Now he's going to be a cabinet secretary. <laughs> okay, Jeff in Northville, that'll have to be the last word. Aaron Reddish, as always, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Yep. Uh, um, this is 1019 WDET Detroit, Wayne State's public radio station. See you guys tomorrow. <laughs>